You're listening to the Arctic Circle podcast. In this episode, we listen to Musa Philippus, Archbishop of the Lutheran Church of Christ in Nigeria and President of the Lutheran World Federation, discuss Christianity and climate change. The speech is followed by a Q&A with the audience and is moderated by Olav Ragnar Grimsson, Chairman of the Arctic Circle and former President of Iceland. This event originally took place at the 2022 Arctic Circle Assembly in Reykjavik, Iceland. His Excellency, former President Grimson, and other distinguished guests, good afternoon. It gives me great joy to address you today, speaking on a topic that is close to my heart and the hearts of many that I represent. The face and name of climate crisis is found in the millions of people, children, women, men, whose lives and livelihoods have been jeopardized by the impacts of climate change. It is also found in the massive loss of biodiversity, the stark reality of floods, droughts, and rising sea levels. While climate change is a global phenomenon, some parts of the world, like my own continent, Africa, are much more affected due to existing geographical, economic, social, and political vulnerabilities. Like the other developing regions of the world, Africa has contributed little, estimated 4% to the global greenhouse emissions. Yet, many countries in Africa are among the most affected by the impacts of the climate crisis. We see this in recurrent droughts, flooding, and changing weather patterns on the continent. Africa continues to experience widespread loss and damage due to human-induced climate change. The results are extensive loss of biodiversity, water shortages, reduced food production, displacement, farming, conflict over resources, loss of lives and livelihoods, and negative economic growth. It is also estimated that 26% of the total of internally displaced people in Africa are on the move because of disasters due to extreme weather events. Three years ago, climate activists in Iceland bid farewell to the OK Glacier with a powerful yet painful ceremony. I have read the poem written on that occasion, in quote, a letter to the future. And I read, this monument is to acknowledge that we know what is happening and what needs to be done. Only you know if we did it, end of quote. A powerful reminder of our responsibility to current and future generations which received worldwide attention. Glaciers matters. We have for a long time seen them as immutable and powerful indicators of the viability of human life on earth. Now, 
they are shrinking and disappearing. People and communities also matter. A single life lost because of the climate crisis is one life too many. A single village lost is one too many. A single species of plants, animals, and insects lost is one too many. And I don't see much room for negotiation or compromise here. We need actions, not words. What should we say to the people living in a village that the future in terms of food security is bleak because the crops have failed repeatedly, the rain does not come or comes down too hard to a people who have lost hope and feel completely abandoned by those with leadership responsibilities. The Lutheran World Federation is a global communion of 149 churches in 99 countries. The Evangelical Lutheran Church of Iceland is one of our members. Some of the LWF churches know the effects of the climate crisis quite well. For them, it is a matter of life and death. As people of faith, we have a unique understanding and appreciation of the nature, nature and creation. We know that we are called to live in harmony with creation and not to abuse, misuse, or recklessly exhaust it. We believe that creation is a gift from God and that we are called to be co-stewards, protecting the earth and its precious resources for today and tomorrow's children. We realize that a key part of the reason we are already facing a catastrophic climate crisis is our failure as a civilization to respect and recognize the integrity of creation. Restoring this balance and understanding the interconnectedness of people and our planet will go a long way towards addressing the twin crisis of climate change and biodiversity loss. Around the world, more than 80% of all people identify with a religious faith, and the voices and actions of their leaders have already had an impact in raising awareness, building capacity, and bringing communities together to support the most vulnerable victims of climate change. As governments prepare for the next climate summit, COP27, which will be held on the African continent, it is crucial that we regain the momentum for climate action rooted in the notion of ecological justice and creation care that at some point has been overshadowed by the COVID-19 pandemic and other global crises, including the war in Ukraine. We have no time to lose in prolonged intangible negotiations. We must demand for political will from duty bearers to turn words into actions to protect humanity and our planet for future generations. Religious actors, locally and globally, can play vital roles in advocating for action to address climate change. The LWF 
has known this and worked for it steadily since its assembly in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, in 1977. At our last global assembly in Windhoek, Namibia, in 2017, we claimed strongly that, in quote, creation is not for sale. As people of faith, we have huge potentials to strongly mobilize and advocate for climate justice and to call for an end of indifference towards climate change and the suffering that is caused by it. It is our task as churches to be messengers of audacious hope, and we must take the task seriously. To invite people to realize that they are part of the big web of creation, which can only remain intact if we live in harmony with other human beings and with the rest of creation. In some context, it may mean calling people to learn to live more simply so that others may simply live as Mahatma Gandhi used to say. We continue to collaborate with our partners for the sake of our common beautiful planet Earth entrusted to our care. I end with a quote from the first African woman to win the Nobel Peace Prize for her undying just environmental activism, the late Professor Wangari Matai, and I quote, Nature is so unforgiving. If we destroy it, it will destroy us. End of quote. This, in my view, is a clarion call to all of us for just actions in creation care. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, Archbishop, uh, not only for your important warning, but also for having traveled from Africa please, to be here with us and in that way demonstrate the interconnection between what's happening to the melting of the ice and the climate transformation and uh, the fate of your people and, and, and your continent. But you're also the head of the international organizations of the Icelandic National Church. I think for us in Iceland, it's an interesting statement that the Lutheran World Cooperation is under your, is under your leadership. So we will take a few questions from the audience. If somebody has a question already and is prepared to raise your hands, uh, while we wait, let me ask you the... Oh, yes, there's a question there. Yes, let's uh, take that. Yes. <clears throat> My name is Olaf Heinrich. I'm a student from Poland. And I would like to ask you, what is your attitude toward the war in Ukraine? Thanks. As Lutheran World Federation, we have stated very clearly our disagreement with the invasion of uh, Ukraine by, uh, by Russia. And uh, of course, we have member churches in both countries, but we have, uh, in the last council, made very clear our stand uh, with the churches in, in Ukraine and disagreeing that this has happened. But we call most strongly that uh, the urgency 
to ensure that this is brought to an end uh, by any means, but particularly, if possible, dialogue to get this to an end that uh, we do not uh, prolong the war that is causing so much pain, not only in Ukraine, not only in Russia, but the surrounding nations. Okay, are there any more questions from the hall? Let me ask you this. We have had a number of church leaders here on the stage during the history of the assemblies. Cardinal Tuscan, representing His Holiness the Pope, attended the first assembly. The, the leader of the Orthodox Church in, in Constantinople, as he prefers to call it, also made a very historic speech from the States calling for action on climate change. So it's absolutely clear to us that the churches have become an important force in the global debate on climate change. But my question is this, what more can the churches do uh, in order to wake up the leadership of the world, and then I don't mean just the political leadership, but the business leadership, the others, to this immediate close threat that has been manifested in many sessions here during this assembly. Yeah. Thank you very much. A few years ago, the Lutheran World Federation recognized uh, that the church is sort of like a sleeping giant, and we developed a program called Waking the Giant. And the purpose of this program is, first of all, to understand that as churches, we cannot stand by the side. And uh, it's not time for churches to do their own thing. We must find a way to connect with uh, scientific researchers, uh, political leaders, and to uh, continue to exchange knowledge and understanding, but also engage, because we are key players when it comes to people who are directly impacted by climate change, and we know it. We are there before, and we are there when it's happening, and we are there when, when, when everybody else leaves. So I think the, what we are developing is the capacity to engage in advocacy at local, at global, and at regional levels, on one hand. But on the other hand, continue to empower and accompany member churches as they do what they can do to help the most vulnerable communities to adapt and uh, to survive in this situation. Well, thank you very much for that. Waking the giant is a... It's, uh, I haven't heard that before. It just shows my ignorance. But I think you're exactly on the ball. Am I correct that you are going to make the sermon at the Sunday service in the biggest church tomorrow? Absolutely. I'm, looking, be, forward. I'm will, looking forward. That will be historic, I think. Uh, you know, this cathedral on top of the hill, probably one of the most photographed buildings in Europe, is also named after a famous Icelandic poet centuries ago. So can I finally ask you, I know it's not usual for an archbishop to re reveal the message of his sermon. But what will be the core of your sermon tomorrow? Because many of these participants will really turn home, so they can't be in the church tomorrow morning. 
you have this unique opportunity to carry the message of your sermon to them as well. The, the message tomorrow is taken from Mark chapter 12, from beginning from verse 27 to 34. And it's about Jesus' encounter with this uh, scribe who comes and asks him, uh, what is the best, what is the most important commandment? And of course, uh, telling Jesus, uh, Jesus said, well, you know it. Uh, love God and serve your neighbor. Uh, he says, yes, that's correct. But Jesus said, well, you are just close to the kingdom. I think the, the whole thing is that uh, the scribe, he knows it. He says it, he rehearses the commandment, but to take action is a problem. So I think the message for this gathering is that, well, it's not only about knowledge about climate change and the Arctic cycle, but get into action. Well, it will clearly, it will clearly be a powerful sermon. I'm sure some people will change their flights in order to be there. <laughs> tomorrow morning. But thank you very much for coming. We are honored to have you here with us. We wish you all the best in your endeavors. And uh, we will now move to China, the state. So I think it is interesting evidence of the global reach of this gathering that uh, we have these long-distance travelers, both from Africa and China and the final stages. So thank you very much. Thank you very much that I could mediate between China and uh, NATO. <laughs> <laughs>